0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to The Spiral. I'm your host, Zane Geiger, and on today's podcast, I'm breaking down preseason week two games. Uh, just full disclosure, I do record these in a day in advance, so I'm not going to be discussing the 49ers Charger game that happens uh, Sunday night or the Jag Saints game, which is going to be Monday night. Those games will be discussed Wednesday, right when the podcast, you know, begins, but that being said, all the other games will be discussed, so let's just hop into it, all right? Alright everybody. So if you're not aware what's happening in the NFL world right now, uh, preseason week two just you know happened this past week. Thursday, Friday, Saturday games, Sunday games. Uh, again, I'm not discussing the Sunday night game with the 49ers Chargers and the Monday night game Jags versus Saints. I know those are two of the big rookie quarterbacks with the Jags and 49ers. I get it. I promise I'm gonna get I'm gonna discuss that. Wednesday morning, right when the podcast starts, I'll be breaking down those performances and the rookie quarterbacks' performances for those two teams, respectively. But that being said, preseason people tend to overreact to preseason games. I don't understand why preseason football is a good indicator, right? Maybe you have new head coaches, new players, you're trying to see the scheme fit. You know, you draft a bunch of players, trying to see how they're going to adjust to NFL, you know, the speed. NFL players, it's good indicators, but you shouldn't base what you, your team success, player success is solely going to be off of preseason games. That's just, it's ludicrous. It, it, it is. It, it, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why people tend to do it. Like, you just don't do it because let me tell you something. From week one to week two, I'm a Dolphin fan. I'm going to talk about the Dolphins just real quick, just for an example, right? Tua had a bad red zone interception week one preseason game, right? Kind of, he looked okay, not the best. no perspective matters in a lot of in a lot of aspects when it comes to preseason games too right per, and in regular season games as well perspective matters right so the Dolphins are missing three four of their top receivers you know right now outside of Waddle right so a lot of the playmakers they have Parker Will Fuller Albert Wilson uh Preston Williams they weren't playing week one or week two right so two it didn't look that great week one a lot of people blasted him, especially when he threw that red zone interception. Oh, he didn't look good. He's not going to be a franchise quarterback. You know, Dolphins botched it again. Like, get rid of Tua. He's going to hold us back. Against the Falcons, he looked really good. Command of the offense looked really good. Very accurate. Great pocket awareness. Moved the ball consistently down the field. Still with missing some of his top receiving options, you know, but the whole attitude changes. Uh, you know, oh, Tua looks really good. The Dolphins should be a really good team this year. A lot of improvement. Tua's going to be a big year. You know, a big sleeper. W- w- what happened? W- what happened in seven days that made Tua look like a scrub and could be off the Dolphins this year to franchise saver? I-, I mean, let's just be honest. It- it's one week. That-, that shouldn't change everybody's opinion on Tua. And, and, but that's what we're seeing in preseason games. That's what we're seeing. Everybody was you know, ready to crown Justin Fields, you know the best rookie quarterback coming out of the draft last year, or, you know, or this year. Uh, looks like he's going to be the best quarterback by far because of his preseason game against the Dolphins' second and third stringers. He looks good. I was impressed. But I'm not crowning him champion, savior of Chicago. People have to realize... You can't overreact to preseason games because perspective matters. Dolphins offense looks really good against the Falcons. Falcons had a bunch of backups in. Falcons already said right off the bat they're not playing starters. A lot of bat, you know, a lot of bench players were playing. Second, third stringers, guys fighting for jobs, right? On offense and defense. So Dolphins defense looks really good against the Falcons, second and third stringers. Now I do expect the Dolphins defense to have a really good game, uh, like a good season this year, but I'm not overreacting to this stuff. So you can't overreact to your team's immediate success you you just can't again good indicators you know what I mean like it looks good that Tua looked a lot more comfortable in his second preseason start with the offense like that's a good indicator that's that that looks good you know what I mean like okay Tua looks more comfortable like he looks solid the O-line looks like a jolt a little bit he looks like he's trusting his wide receivers more you know kind of figuring out what they like what they don't like it's good indicators but we can't overreact to this stuff. You just can't overreact to, you know, your team and it looks like they're having good success or maybe they don't play well. Maybe, you know, like the Falcons got destroyed, essentially, right? People are saying, oh, Falcons are going to be good this year. Falcons are going to be good this year. You know, common stuff. In reality, you don't know what's going on. It's a lot of backups are playing. They're trying to figure out who, you know, essentially like final cuts, who should make the roster, who shouldn't be and stuff like that. Who should be backups, who shouldn't be. That's not going to be indicator of the Falcons' season. Now, to be fair, I don't think the Falcons are going to have a great season, you know. But again, you shouldn't just think the Falcons are going to be the worst team in football because they got destroyed by the Dolphins. Like, you just shouldn't. So we need to – everybody needs to realize perspective matters when, it ta- when talking about preseason games. It's good indicators, but it's not what you should judge your team's future regular season performance off of, right? I shouldn't go thinking the Dolphins are going to be Super Bowl contenders because of how Tua played against the Falcons. I shouldn't. And you shouldn't think those about your teams either. So, this being said, you know, I just talked about obviously the Dolphins and Falcons. There were a couple other, you know, there was a couple other matchups I thought were very important. You know what I mean? Um, so one of which I do want to talk about because I think it's very important. What is Chicago doing right now, right? So they came out, you know, essentially saying, you know, um Fields isn't QB1, right? They don't want him being QB1 right now. They want that to be Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's supposed to be a week one starter. A lot of people are upset about it. You know, they want Justin Fields to be the you know number one quarterback going into the season, they want him starting, right? Big time, you know, big time talent. Justin Fields can be electric. He can be a game changer, right? But, you know, Andy Dalton came out and said, my time's now. Like, I love Justin, but my time's now. And he did not have a great preseason performance. He did not look good. After he said, you know, all the hype about him being his time now, he didn't look that good. But to be fair, Justin Fields didn't look that good either, right? So, what do you make of that? You know, Andy Dalton didn't play well. Justin Fields didn't play well. Should Andy Dalton still be the week one starter? A lot of people are going to tell you no. I will say this. I think if Justin Fields becomes the starter with the Bears, they have a better chance to to make it to the playoffs. Justin Fields gives them more of an uh, advantage, right, than Andy Dalton. Now, Andy Dalton's a very experienced quarterback, and he's a solid quarterback, and he can do things. But Justin Fields can be electric and dynamic, which Andy Dalton is not. Now, the problem with uh, Justin Fields is this. He's still very slow getting through his reads because he didn't have to do that at Ohio State. And that, that's an issue. He has to be able to you know, get b- rid of the ball quicker and go through his reads a lot quicker. And, and that's just going to take time. He needs reps to do that. I'm not worried about that. I don't think he's going to be a bad quarterback because he's slow going through his reads or anything like that. He's going to be good, he, but he needs time. So don't start him week one against the Rams where they have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald with a Bears offensive line that is very hurt right now. A lot of injuries. Their O-line does not look good right now. It looks like it can't stay healthy. You put Justin Fields behind that O-line week one against the Rams, you're, you're asking him to get slaughtered. He's not going to play well. He's going to get destroyed. And that's not what you want his first game to be. You want to put him in some sort of success where he can kind of come in and give you some sort of success and kind of show what he can be. So last year, for example, the Dolphins had Tua coming off a big injury, right? And so they started uh, Ryan Fitzmagic throughout the year, right? And then eventually they put Tua in place to be the starter. Now a lot of controversy was behind that because Fitzmagic was playing good, the Dolphins were playing good. Fitzmagic felt like he earned the trust of the team, so it was very weird. But they tried to put Tua in at the right time where they thought he was going to be in posi- you know, a position to succeed and do well. Now, obviously, there was a lot of mixed results with that and them going back and forth on who's the starting quarterback. But the, the idea behind it wasn't a bad idea. You're going to take Fitzmagic out and put Tua in when you think he's going to have the best chance to succeed. I think the Bears need to do the same thing. Putting Justin Fields in Week 1 against Andy do- uh, against the Bears... I'm sorry. Putting Justin Fields in against the Rams Week 1... It's not good. You're asking him, you know, he's not going to do well. He's going to get slaughtered. It's going to be bad. It's going to be a bloodbath. Give it a few weeks. I think you should probably look to put Justin Fields in because, again, he's not coming off a major injury like two or anything like that. Like, he can play, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't do it week one, maybe not even week two. You. I would say the Bears' best chance would probably be week three or four is when I would consider putting Justin Fields in because – He's dynamic and he can do a lot of things for you, right? So, I would say it realistically. They play the Rams week one. That's not a good idea. You have the Bengals, which again I think that's gonna be an easy win. Then you have the Browns, which I think could be very, very difficult—a very difficult matchup for them, and especially with their defensive line too. Week four, they play against the Lions. I would say you have the Lions and Raiders game, and then you play the Packers. I would say you put him in against the Lions, and that's when you should start him. So week four is when I would put Justin Fields in. Now, obviously, if Andy Dalton gets hurt or just plays abysmal and he looks really, really bad, you can put him in sooner. You can put him in week two against the Bengals. I wouldn't put him in mop-up duty against the Rams because I do think the Rams are going to, you know, destroy the Bears. I'd wait until either week two or week four Um, because personally, I don't think Andy Dalton's going to get embarrassed against the Rams. Andy Dalton will be able to beat the Bengals, Against the Browns, and that defensive line, their defense, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect him to win, but I think he can play okay. Put Justin Fields in week four. Against the Lions, a team you guys should do well against. It is a division game, so you never know what those type of games, but put him in a position to succeed, because you can put him in that position to succeed. He plays them, and then, uh, what did I say? The Raiders, I believe, um... You give him a good chance to go on a two-game winning streak before he has to play against the Packers, and that's that's big. You know, what I mean, he can you know kind of get in a rhythm. So if you put him against the Lions and Raiders, those are two games the Bears should be able to win because of their talent. Two-game winning streak. He's doing good. He's kind of getting some of those issues out of the way. You know that rookies will have in their first couple starts, and then he'll play the Packers team, and that'll be good. You're putting him in a nice position to succeed. You put him against the Rams week one, he just gets absolutely destroyed and like humiliated. I don't know if that necessarily destroys his confidence because I think he's a hell of a competitor. and I think he's really talented and really good. But there will be questions. I mean, he could honestly get hurt against the Rams because their defense is that good. And Aaron Donald's a a bad man. And their O-line is that bad. And now again, Andy Dalton, I don't see getting hurt compared to Justin Fields because if you haven't seen Andy Dalton before, he's a pretty big guy. He has some really broad shoulders. I know that sounds dumb saying it. I get it. But, like, he is a physical man. He is a big man. He can take hits. And not say Justin Fields can't because he's tough, but he's, he is smaller than Andy Dalton. You know, there is a size difference. And I just would feel a lot more comfortable, and I think the Bears nation should slowly but surely kind of start to understand this. Justin Fields against the Rams week one isn't in the best interest of Justin Fields or the Bears. You could slowly ease him along, put him in week four, two-game winning streak, Lions-Raiders, and he's comfortable, and then he plays the Packers, Bucks, so two, you know, a two very hard you know, games after two easy games, but he's going to have his rhythm. He should feel good. Bears should feel good and comfortable, and from there, you just ride it out because Justin Fields gives the Bears the best chance to make the playoffs, but if you start in week one, that could crack his confidence, injuries, because I, I, I just don't like the week one idea. I really don't. I think that week four is, a, is, is the star in your calendar if you're a Bears fan. That's the day Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback. If I had to bet money on it, and it's going to be that time. Bearing an injury to Andy Dalton or anything like that. Week four should be when Justin Fields comes in. Remains the start for the rest of the season. And if you're a Bears fan and his potential, I would have a lot of hope that you guys could be in the playoff contention. Now, NFC is really difficult, obviously, but Justin Fields can be that guy. He's very dynamic, and even with some of the struggles he has reading defenses and everything, the stuff he can do with his legs and how dynamic he can be, it could be nice. It could be nice. It's almost equivalent. You know, I gave uh, the example to uh, Fitzmagic. Look at Lamar Jackson when they had Joe Flacco. I mean, they didn't start Lamar right away. He came in halfway through the season, and he really wasn't that great at throwing the ball. But what he could do with his legs and that extra dynamic made the Ravens so much better than what they had with Joe Flacco. That's what Justin Fields can bring to the Bears team. He can be very dynamic. He may not be great throwing the ball right away. And, I, and to be fair, I do think Justin Fields is a better passer and farther along as a passer than where uh, Lamar Jackson was coming out of college. But he does have those legs element too, to use his legs, to be dual threat. He can do stuff, can, has that explosiveness to where if he's kind of struggling with his reads, getting the ball out quick, he has the ability to be mobile, extend plays with his legs and do stuff and be that extra dynamic that makes the Bears playoff contenders. So again, I know everybody's reacting to, you know, the whole Andy Dalton being a week one starter and after his brutal preseason game and everything, but they have a plan. I would trust it. Justin Fields, week four starter. So some other things I took out of some of the games being played, uh, again, it's really hard to judge some of these games because some teams have starters playing against backups, backups versus backups, so it's really hard to evaluate it. So I'm really just going to talk about what I think some of the bigger games are, some of the, you know, what I think people need to know and watch out for. Um, So one of the teams I want to talk about is the Broncos. I'm really high on the Broncos this year, but again, I think they had another really good preseason game. Their defense is legit. They beat Seattle 30-3, to and again... Uh, Seattle didn't start Russell Wilson. You know, a lot of their starters didn't play on offense, especially receiving, running the ball. Um, I, I, now, again, I have questions about Seattle's defense, but offensively, no starters played it is what it is. Denver's trying to figure out their quarterback right now between Locke and Bridgewater. So Locke came back to earth this game. He went 9 of 14 for 80 yards. And he had two sacks, uh, the quarterback rating of about 80. Uh, Bridgewater, on the other hand, 9 of 11, 105 yards, a touchdown. Uh, rating of 136. So I think if you're the Broncos, you're in a very good situation with these quarterbacks because, I, again, I think Bridgewater can be a solid game-managing quarterback to make the offense cons- be very consistent, Why Drew Locke has that explosive element to make your offense elite. Now, there might be a little bit more hit or miss with Locke compared to Bridgewater, but I do think Locke's potential with that offense's potential is a lot greater than what you can get out of Bridgewater. Bridgewater could probably keep you at like a top 15, close to top 10 offense, maybe. I, honestly, I would say probably 15 is a good bet between 10 and 20. Uh, so middle of the pack offense. But Drew Locke has the potential to take it to a top 10 offense because of the ability to stretch, the feel with his arm. He's electric. He has, dy- you know, he's a little dynamic. Now, he's a little inconsistent. Don't get me wrong. He does struggle with inconsistencies, especially if you watched him play last year. But the potential he can have with the potential of this offense Denver's not going to be a pushover this year, especially with the, how great their defense is going to be this year. Great secondary, g- pass rushers. Um, questions about their O-line a little bit, but I think they're going to have a pretty solid run game too this year with the weapons they have. Denver's a hard team. You know, I would not mess with Denver. Denver's going to be a really good team this year. They're going to be a hard out if you have to play Denver. They're going to be really competitive. So I think Denver's continuing a good preseason stretch of see what their quarterbacks can do. I'm very curious who their week one starter is going to be. It might give it to Bridgewater just because I think he might be a little bit more consistent, but I wouldn't be surprised if Locke gets it and runs away with it. But whoever gets the starting job, their leash is going to be very short, so there's not going to be a lot of room for error. So if that, you know, if whoever comes out as a starting quarterback, don't be surprised that there's a quick switch on on quarterback play depending on how their performance is. Um, some other interesting stuff to talk about. I'm not gonna talk about it too long, uh, but the Texans are definitely an interesting team. Uh, kind of who their quarterback could be. Uh, Mills is a rookie quarterback they drafted this year who a lot of people thought he had a lot of upside. He honestly had a pretty good game, 10 of 16, 115 yards against Dallas. Um, I, it's going to be very interesting what they want to do with their quarterback because you have Tyra Taylor, who's solid, but I honestly, you might want to see what the rookie can do because you don't know what Deshaun Watson's going to do. And, you know, if you have a rookie quarterback, play him now where no one thinks your team's going to be that good. Um, just see what he can do. I, I think he is pretty pro-ready. Like, he can do a lot of good things. Um, I'd put him out there. I mean, you know what Tyra Taylor is. Like, he's solid, but, like, what do you, what's the goal with him? Well, you're not going to be able to fully evaluate your team because with Mills, rookie quarterback, if he struggles and looks horrendous, you can get a new quarterback because I don't think Watson's ever going to play there again. But if you have Tyra Taylor and he does okay, like, you don't know what you have in Mills and then you might want to draft another quarterback and you don't, you don't know what you really have. It could be a waste of a pick. See what Mills has. He has a bunch of, he has some upside. You know, there's a lot of things he, is, like he can do. He looks pro ready, big guy, strong guy. Very interesting guy. Um, I think he's a, I think if I'm Houston, you start him and see what you have. Because if he looks good and he looks promising. You feel you're in a lot better place because of the whole Watson situation. You know, you have a, you know, a replacement. But if you don't test him out and you just have Tower Taylor doing everything, you really don't know what you have in Mills. And then you're going to try to draft a quarterback. And then you have two young guys, and it's kind of like, what do you do now? Again, I expect you know Houston to be horrible this year, so they're probably going to have the number one overall pick. So I mean, they're going to get a good quarterback regardless. But that being said, I-, I think it's worth you know just checking out and seeing what you have in Mills because there's no harm in it. You know what I mean? He could be a pretty good quarterback potentially. I- I'm not saying it's going to be franchise savior like Deshaun Watson was. You know, not a franchise quarterback by any means, but he could be pretty good. I would see what he has. I would see what he could do. I thought he had a pretty good preseason game against Dallas. Speaking of Dallas, I hate all their backup quarterbacks, and I'm very concerned I would get another quarterback in there because you don't know what you have, and Prescott and him being able to stay healthy. And with Dallas, you're trying to make the playoffs this year. I do think their playoff window is more next year, but anything I've learned from this preseason games, I'm not impressed with their backup quarterbacks. Go get somebody else. You really need a number two quarterback. And it's hard to get that when you're paying Prescott all this money, playing a bunch of other guys all this money. But I really think they need a true number two backup. And I would do whatever it takes to get one because they really need it. Uh this being said, uh, Parsons, the linebacker they drafted in the first round this year, who a lot of people were high on, he looks really good. He's going to make a lot of noise. He's always where the ball is. He's always going to make plays. He is, a, he is a defensive player to watch this year because I, I, I not just among rookies, all NFL defensive players, especially at the linebacker position, think he's going to have a really, really good year. think he can ball out. He can do a lot of different things. I don't know how good Dallas is going to be, but he's definitely a dark horse defensive player of the year candidate as a rookie because he is tremendous and he can play lights out. And I think he's going to take over Jalen Smith's spot because he looks like he's struggling. He could be off the team this year after all the money they gave him. I mean, I would expect it more to be next year, but Jalen Smith might be gone. Parsons is going to make some room, and he's going to make some noise on that defense. So I would definitely, he's definitely got to watch out for. Um, Another thing that I kind of came away with a little bit, uh, but not too much, kind of with the Bucks. Uh, Kyle Trask was a rookie quarterback they drafted, and, you know, kind of with the hopes were, you know, you drafted him early out from Florida, he's staying in Florida. He could be kind of like... In theory, the heir to uh, when Brady's done, I thought that was a little bit of a long shot. You know, long shot, anyways. But he looked like he could be a pretty, you know, a, you know, he has potential, right? A guy who didn't really start in high school because uh, King, the Miami Hurricanes quarterback, was the starter there. Who, if you don't know who he is, he's probably the best dual threat quarterback in all of football. Uh, Miami. He's coming off an ACL injury. Uh, he's dynamic. You know, got a scholarship to Florida, sat their weight, sat their weight. Felipe Franks got hurt. He came in, and the rest was history. He was great in Florida. He did a lot of great things to the University of Florida and the Gators. Uh, people were high on him as a guy who never really had a lot of um, starting reps until really college. And so his story is kind of, you know, it's a really interesting story of him and how he's made it here. He has not looked good in the preseason. Uh, two interceptions, 13 of 26, 131 yards against Tennessee. Uh, not super concerning because obviously you have Brady, but like if something happens to Brady, uh, I get the idea was maybe Trask could be that option potentially. So I do think that's bad that he struggled this badly. And again, I, I, I mean, some of it could be because of who's, what weapons they have out there. They're not putting their stud, you know, weapons out there. So don't get me wrong, but he really hasn't looked that good. It looks like he's been making bad decisions, which he typically didn't do at Florida. Um, so something that could be blamed on that him kind of not having the weapons Brady's having, you know, regular season-wise, and maybe that could be, you know, the reason why he's kind of struggling, and maybe he's just trying to do too much right now. Uh, but just a little bit interesting, you know, a potential guy who is, you know, could be the heir to Brady, a big backup, you know, kind of waiting in the wings. Uh, him having not a great uh, preseason. It's not super troublesome, but definitely something to kind of just monitor a little bit. Um, The Jets. I hate the Jets. I just want to say that right off the rip. I hate the Jets. But I will give credit where credit's due because, like I said, I'm not, a biased, I'm not biased when talking to you guys. I'm going to give you my honest opinion. Again, I haven't seen Trey Lance play yet when I'm, when I'm dropping this, and I'm not seen Lawrence play yet because of Monday Night Game. But if there's been one rookie quarterback who's impressed the most. Zach Wilson has impressed. 9 of 11, 128 yards, two touchdowns. He has looked good in preseason games. He's looked good. I think he's been the most impressive one so far. Um... This being said, this was a guy who was struggling in camp with turnovers, interceptions, and everything. And again, some of that stuff matters, but I don't put too much stock into it as well. Because I remember when, they, when Kansas City traded Alex Smith away, and they had Patrick Mahomes. And they kept saying, oh, he was throwing interceptions in camps. Like, he didn't look good in camps. Look at him now. MVP, Super Bowl MVP, Super Bowl champion. He's a beast. Again, training camp, preseason games. It's good to have an understanding of what's going on and kind of be a good indicator, but don't be sold on it. So just because he struggled throughout training camp and everything and he hasn't looked good, he's had back-to-back good preseason games. Now again, I would like to see a regular season when teams are actually scheming and doing stuff, but he has been very impressive and I do think he needs to get credit where credit can do. Because people forget, he he is one of the more raw prospects that came out. You know what I mean? Like he, until last year, he really wasn't a starter at his college team. He was battling for it, and then obviously he won it, and he had a huge year, and he could do a lot of amazing things. But he's still a little raw. He's still, you know, there's still things he has to work on. Um, the Jets don't necessarily have a clear cut number one. I know Corey Davis is having a really good training camp, and he's been looking really good in the preseason, so that's gonna be the number one. Um, and, but they have a lot of wide receivers, you know, they got to get everything going, figured everything out, you know, revamp the O-line, new system. They're, they're figuring a lot of stuff out. Don't judge him, you know, so harsh right away. I know he's in the number one media market world and all the land, you know, New York and everything. I get it, but let's just take it easy because he's looked good in the preseason. Obviously training camp was a different story, but preseason he's looked good, We'll see what he can do in the regular season, and again, he's going to be one of the quarterbacks who needs time. He's going to need a little bit more time, I think, than a Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. And that's not a knock on him. I just think he's he came out a little bit more raw. And the Jets have a history of being a very very bad organization, so give it time. Now, I think the Jets might have the right coach. I do, but coaches are you know more hit or miss than you know top you know, first round picks. You never know with head coaches. It always seems like there's five or six head coaching. You know, vacancies every year. Head coaches are like a revolving door. You, you have a good one, they're staying there. If you're eh, you, they're rotating. In and out, in and out, in and out. So they need to have the right head coach, and I think they might. But it's a little too early to tell, obviously, before having any regular season games. Because I remember everybody was thinking Brian Flores was not going to be a head coach. And now look at him now. He's one of the most well-regarded head coaches in football. I would argue... He's close to top 10. Obviously, he doesn't have the playoff experience to probably be a top 10 head coach, but he's right there on the door trying to like knocking in to get into the top 10. Uh, so their head coach could be good. I would say with the Jets, it's going to be very interesting to see them this year, but Zach Wilson has been very impressive. Um, so Zach Wilson, just want to give you a shout out. You have looked impressive, and I do think you deserve credit where credit is due. Um, so uh, real quick, I do want to just say I thought I was tripping. Funny that Trubisky had a really, really great game against the Bears. I know I already talked about the Bears earlier. And if you want stats from that real quick, Andy Dolan went 11 of 17, 146 yards, touchdown interception, two sacks. Justin Fields went 9 of 19, 80 yards, two sacks. But he also had 46 rushing yards. So there's that dynamic element. But uh, I would say Trubisky's going to be the start up, not the starter, sorry, but the backup quarterback, um, probably Fromm's going to be cut. Um, but Trubisky's going to be a very good backup quarterback. I really like him on the Bills. Um, Trubisky might honestly be able to get another chance to be a starting quarterback and show what he can do, um, potentially. Again, against the Bears, you know, drive or two with starters, nothing, you know, big indicator. I'm not trying to hype out Trubisky. I mostly just thought it was a little funny that he actually went off against Chicago, and it was just a little funny. Um, another thing to discuss real quick um, that I do think is a little important, the Colts. What are you going to do? You put Ellinger in there, you know, rookie quarterback out of Texas, he threw two interceptions. He did not look good. He has 13, 70 yards, two interceptions. Jacob Eason looked okay, 16 of 27, 132 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions, but he kind of gave you an, like an okay performance. What are the Colts going to do? Because is Carson Wentz going to be back week one? If he is, how healthy is going to be? How long is it going to take him to get fully healthy? Like, there's a lot of questions. And you might be starting a really young quarterback for a Colts team who's really trying to win now. And I don't know if they're going to be able to win you games. You might need a trade for backup. Um, again, I-, I-, I like Jacob Beeson a little bit. Like, I think he does have potential. I think he'd be a very interesting guy. He has given you much, like, kind of uneven performances at the college level. Just like he's probably going to do at the NFL level, but he has all the traits and characteristics to be a successful quarterback. So you can try seeing what you have in him. There's no harm in it, per se. But, you know, like if you're really trying to win now, depending on how long Wentz is going to be out, you may not want to give him that big of a leash. You may not want to, you know, really see what you have in him because if he looks bad, You're kind of setting yourself up. You're losing, you know, maybe a game or two that you shouldn't be losing, and that could cost you a playoff spot in the AFC, where, you know, the wild card spots are going to be teams who are all 11-6, 10-7, and, and, you know, one or two games losing early because they have a brutal beginning stretch. Losing some of those when you don't have to because you're playing a rookie quarterback could cost them a playoff appearance this year. That that could be big. So that is worth monitoring. Colts need to figure out what they're going to do with the quarterback situation. They're going to start rookies. Until Wentz comes back or if Wentz is coming back week one or if they're going to try and make a trade for somebody to put in there. Uh, a lot of options and just they need to get it going. They need to figure something out. Um, that being said, uh, that is kind of some of the bigger headlines, um, you know, preseason football wise. I don't know. I mean, that's really kind of it. I mean, there's not a super amount of big takeaways uh, like, again, Zach Wilson-Shine, um, you know, I I think the Bears are doing the best thing possible for Justin Fields, but not starting on week one because I do think he could get killed out there. I think, you know, week four is going to be a good idea. Um, oh, another thing. The Panthers... Ah, ah. I said the Panthers could be an interesting th- team this year because of Sam Darnold and his ability. he plays really good, Panthers offense could be really good. Defense is young and talented, so a lot of qu- there's there's question marks. But if everything hits right for the Panthers, they could be a pretty good football team. But we need to talk about something real quick. The man I really like this year, who I really really like, Terrence Marshall, back to back really good preseason games. He's definitely, I think, going to be a big option for them this year in the Panthers' passing game, uh, because again, I think Christian McCaffrey is not going to have a huge role in the passing game like he has in the past because of wear and tear and just trying to keep him more fresh. And with DJ Moore, Roby Anderson, I think it's very important that you kind of you know get Marshall more involved. And you know, like, there's not a big reason to get Christian McCaffrey sole offense possessions. Like, just you don't need to feed him all the time. There's other weapons you want to keep him fresh because he's your best player. You don't want him getting hurt again or else that could ruin your team. But I'm letting you know right now, Panthers, they might have a three-headed monster at the wide receiver core. Um, you know, Roby Anderson had a big year last year, proved people, you know, he's legit. I do have a little bit of concerns with the Sam Donald-Roby Anderson connection because they didn't do really anything with the Jets. But I almost feel like something that was Adam Gase more than Sam Donald and Roby Anderson's connection. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on. But I do think they could have a nice three-headed monster um so that is really really something to pay attention to this year uh because they're all the panthers offense can be really good the panthers were a hard team to for me this year to fully gauge how great they're going to be because i still do have a lot of questions with sam and his ability but offensively christian mccaffrey dj moore uh roby anderson terrence marshall jr it's gonna be insane i this is a gut feeling. I think it's a little bit probably an overreaction, obviously, from preseason. I've I been trying to tell you, don't react to preseason, but here I am about to give you probably an overreaction. Don't be surprised if Terrence, uh, if, uh, Terrence uh, Marshall Jr. has a better year than Jamar Chase. I, it's a bold prediction. I'm going to get some backlash from Bengals fans. I get it. I'm just telling you, if everything hits right with the Panthers, and again, you can say it with any team, don't be surprised. I just think he might be able to have a really good year this year. I'm just, he could be really good, a little bit better than Jamar Chase this year. Not maybe not better career wise. Now I'm not saying he's a better overall player than Jamar Chase by any means, but this year because Jamar Chase is struggling in camp, and I think again he's coming back from not playing, getting back to everything. So there's not re- there's not a lot of reasons to have concerns about that with the Bengals and Jamar Chase. Like I think he's gonna be fine. Like I still think he's gonna be a really good wide receiver, but. If I, if I have to have my bold prediction, a really hot take of this segment, Marshall Jr. has a better season than Jamar Chase. That's just a bold prediction. I'm going to get backlash from it. I get it. That's fine. It is what it is. But that's my bold prediction uh, for my hot take for this segment. But this being said, that's it. This is all I got for you guys. And essentially the big recaps. Um, you know, I already talked about the Patriots-Eagles game, you know, on the Friday podcast. Um you know, the big rookie quarterbacks this year with regards to, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence and the 49ers quarterback that I'm blanking on his name for whatever reason right now, uh, which makes no sense. Uh, Sorry, just completely blanking on his name right now. But those guys are going to be discussed on the next podcast Wednesday morning. I'll break down their preseason games a little bit, you know, kind of how they did. Um, talk about their teams a little bit because I think the Jags are an interesting team with new head coach and everything. Um, so that being said, that's all I have for you guys right now. Um, thank you guys for listening. It means a lot. Trey Lance. Sorry, it was going to bug me. Trey Lance is the Ram, uh, the 49ers quarterback. Don't know why I was blanking on his name so hard. But again, next podcast, Wednesday morning, first segment is going to be Trey Lance's performance with uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jags' performance because I think the Jags are a very interesting team with Urban Meyer and youth and everything. So it's going to be interesting, especially to see how long the starters play. But again, thank you guys for listening. Uh, remember, feel free to email me at questionsinspiral at yahoo.com. Love to answer your sports questions or whatever takes you guys have for me. Uh, so please give me some feedback. I definitely would appreciate it. But that being said, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Have a great rest of your day.